referees for wins. Cage match main event. Tonight in the ring, we have the Battle of the Titans, the granddaddy of them all, the colossal tussle, the rumble and the tumble, the tizzy near Disney, the rage in the cage, the hell in the cell, the rage with the cage, and the cage in the rage. <laughs> That's right. It's Nicholas Cage's Cage match! Now we take it to your live commentators at ringside. Greg Work, the Legwork Johnson, and Denny, the Talent Taylor. Ready to fight? Ready tonight? Ready for the vampire's bite? That's right. Thank you, Denny. We're going to have a hell of a cage match here. And we've got three fierce competitors. First up, we've got Vampire's Kiss, starring Nicolas Cage in 1988 classic, or is it? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm out of impressions here, buddy. <laughs> I was like, okay, next is next uh, is, and, and then we have Nicolas Cage, who, uh, well, he sees Forward of the Future, but like uh, two minutes, except uh, sometimes not two minutes, sometimes more. Uh, it, it, it's almost it was inspired by when I hear an ad on a podcast and I can skip forward but but only a limited amount of time and I thought well 15 seconds isn't actually a useful skip forward but two minutes is exactly how long it would take to skip through uh, a commercial break and so I made a I made a point to really incorporate that into my work and then I just want to get back to my wife and my daughter <laughs> I'm in a plane now, ready to get transported to the cage match and hopefully earn my freedom. I chose this accent, and I stuck with it to the better end. Put the Nicholas back in the cage. Why oh, just just, just wait till favorite lines for that one. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, this is this is the big one, guys. This is the big one. This is our. Uh, it's not the first time we've covered a Nicolas Cage movie, but it is our very first Cage match. Um, this is uh, a crucial point in Greg and I's friendship um, that probably ultimately led to this to this uh, podcast existing. Is uh, when Greg moved about an hour away from me. Um, every so often, Greg would just text me and be like, "You know what." it's time for a cage match and we would select two movies to watch and we're doing one better we're we're outdoing ourselves here um uh and uh we would we would make a point to be together and watch two nicholas cage movies and i think i think it helped us through the initial distance relationship you know it really helped bridge that gap the uh middle distance relationship it's a te <laughs> it's a texas short distance though for sure i mean when i'm when i'm in my 30s and uh, my social calendar is very limited uh, availability. It it takes a special guy and a special type of movie to make me drive an hour. You know, and like, Nicholas Cage is that guy. No, I was going right. to say Greg Johnson is that guy. Nicholas oh, Cage shucks. is a special type of performer. I set the bait, and I was fishing for compliments. All there right. We go. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, we have brought the audience into this one, man. Uh, we have our typical cage match, which is we watch two Nicolas Cage movies back to back, decide which one was better, the winner of the cage match, and we're bringing that back. And then this time we've got a third one. The audience came through. We we told them what to pick, 
and for once they fucking listen to us yes they only listen to us when nick cage is involved because the only other time i was able to successfully sway the the vote was when they took uh when they voted for jujitsu they they trust us implicitly with this sort of thing and that's honestly it warms my heart more than most things yeah i i I see that for the compliment that it is (laughs) that they would defer to defer to our judgment for a nicholas cage question Um, Uh, there you go Speaking of Nicolas Cage questions um, and our show, next week, Thursday, April the 21st, at the Vetted Well in the Alamo Drafthouse Denton, that's their bar, Marks, um, we are going to be having our first ever live show at 5.30pm for the premiere opening night of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent um our our whole lives have been building to this movie and now this moment it is nicholas cage as nicholas cage in a movie about being nicholas cage and uh so tickets are still not on sale for the movie um those are a package deal actually um if you buy uh if you buy a movie ticket you will get a free screening of the movie and you'll be able to see our live show too our live show oh, wow. <laughs> comes, with a, comes with a free movie screening. Um, you just have to pay the price of the live show and reserve your seat in the movie theater, and you'll do all of that through Alamo Drafthouse. And if you just... You'll get a free movie if you buy your ticket to our live show. Or, less confusingly, our live show is free. It starts at 5.30 p.m. for the pre-show. Um, at 6.30, we're going to head to the theater. You need to buy a movie ticket for the 7 p.m. showing. Um, and then after that, we're going to do a post show. Um, we're going to do a good old classic movies for when, uh, discussion of it. And, uh, I, I could not be more excited. Uh, last night, Greg and I went to Alamo for the tech checks. Um, everything's in order. Everything's set up. We are going to have the fucking coolest show. And we've, we've, we've even got, uh, you know what? I'll just, I'll give a little teaser. Just we've one. Got, we've one, got some, su- one, some surprise guests. We yeah. have some we have some surprise guests. Um There you go. And they will be in the in the in the pre-show, uh the opening uh and uh you don't want to miss it. So get there at 5:30, grab a beer, tip your servers, let them know that Movies for Win has has good has good patrons that come with them. Uh Greg, you have any other thoughts as we're promoting this shit? Yeah, I was I was just going to say like you you buy a ticket to the show, get a free screening of the movie. And we felt so good about it that we decided to give 100% of the money to Lionsgate. Because so. <laughs> we know we know they need it. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, everything Denny just said, uh, we, we will be posting on social media when the tickets become available uh, on sale. So keep an eye out for that. Hey, maybe by the time this episode airs they'll be ready and available hopefully that's the case but yeah we're recording this on tuesday this will drop on friday um if this is dated information um we will be blowing up our our event page on facebook our twitter and our instagram and Um, our direct text messages to all of you yeah get on our on our our e-blast list um get our phone numbers (laughs) (laughs) mine is nine all right never mind (laughs) um yeah so uh, I didn't even think about how there's a solid chance tickets will be on sale by the time this airs. So, um, if you That's are if you are listening to this podcast, I can't imagine that you didn't find out about it through some of our social media. Um, check check the social media. 
Uh, Movies for When is the page on Facebook. We have a special event for this. At Movies for When is uh, Twitter handle and Instagram handle. So uh, it, it'll be hard to avoid us. I'm going to fucking blow it up. Um, I I want this to be as cool as it possibly can. I, I, I want to... I want to do this with the people who listen to this show there. I want to connect with them and just, like, share in the glory of, of Nicolas Cage's uh, massive talent. I really want that. Yeah, I think that's why people are going to be showing up in the first place, man. It's It's going to be a shared celebration of the man himself, the movie that we get to see, and also, like, just... The, this podcast and all the friendships that we have kind of re, like maybe not made but definitely reinforced just by routinely doing this mm-hmm. so it's it's going to be a ton of fun for everybody that shows up we will be recording it so look forward to that but you know it's way better than that what greg coming out to the show oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> um, no, I, no I secret think, answers i think there's a really solid chance that the uh the audio that we eventually release from it uh will suck um so if you really like just what are the odds that we nail it on our first try have you met us um greg's good at what he does but i am just i'm just a ball of chaos that unplugs cords and loses things and deletes files so let's not act like it's just gonna go smoothly like you you want to be there to make sure you hear it trust me that's right and when you're there you can be part of it this is this is gonna be an interactive show it's not gonna be sit quietly and listen to us talk in fact everyone who says they don't like our show because you're friends with us and you want to argue with us come argue with us (laughs) like this like we're all gonna be you know holding a libation in in a bar uh, with a mic on and live mics in our hands, I, I'm, we're not here to lecture you. We want to interact. It's gonna be awesome. That's right. All right. Hype, hype established. I'd say. Hype is established. All right. Um, yeah. Before we get on with the episode, we do have uh, some sad news that I'm sure you've all heard by now. Uh, we learned a few hours ago that uh, Gilbert Godfrey did pass away after dealing with a long-term illness. Before we celebrated a uh, great actor here, I wanted to commemorate a, another iconic comedian, a prolific TV actor, just an uh, absolute character icon yep. with uh, Gilbert Gottfried. So I was I was really sad to hear that news. Uh, we're not sure what he was dealing with, but we wish nothing but, you know, love and just peace for his family. Yeah. Man, it, it's crazy. I found out earlier today uh, from you texting me about it. Um, and it's nuts, man. Less than an hour before, um, I was literally talking about uh, his work as Iago with somebody, mm. somebody who like wasn't from a generation that grew up watching Aladdin. Uh, like, you know, like it was. I was like, that's how endearing that dude's talent was. Like, I was yeah. literally just talking to a Zoomer about Iago. Like, it's just it's it's right before like earlier today. Like, wild man. He was a. Like a truly one of a kind performer, and uh, man, if you haven't heard him read Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> uh, it yeah. is it is just it is something to behold. Watch watch that today in his memory. Absolutely, yeah. he he would. I'm sure he would want you to yeah laugh Thanks. and smile through that. We are we are grateful for uh, you know a lifetime of of entertainment from you, man. Thank you, Gilbert Gottfried. Thank you. We'll miss you to a real one rest in peace man what a guy uh all right denny 
we're gonna get into some cages here. We're gonna start this cage match, but are, uh, are we ditching we're watching or what we've been watching? I was I was gonna say next. <laughs> oh 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 okay. Um, Greg, what have you been watching lately, buddy? Well, not really much because we are recording so early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the week. I've been watching the one thing I've been wanting to watch, which is they put Better Call Saul Season 5 on Netflix. I had seen it before, but I'm doing a rewatch since the COVID delay and the Bob Odenkirk heart episode delay. Season 6 is uh, just now coming out next Monday, the 18th, so I'm fully prepping for that. It's one of my favorite shows and yeah, I'm, I'm just getting a little refresh in with Better Call Saul. That's that's pretty much it. Dope. Um, let's see. I, there's two things I've been watching. I've also been just insanely busy. This isn't an, a busy season of life, and uh, most of my media consumption has has been going to movies we watch for this podcast. That's usually mm -hmm. about uh, nine hours a week, and I have to really uh, really fight to make it happen right now. Um, I hope to soon be back to uh, just constantly consuming media uh, but unfortunately i'm like interacting with the real world and it fucking blows um, that's right so, uh there's there's two things i did get the chance to watch one is a uh, 90s all japan wrestling i just can't recommend it enough uh it, just, if you like wrestling at all uh just just youtube uh kawada mitsuharu masawa uh kinta kobashi jun akiyama jinichiro tenru I'm just, sure you all know how to spell all of that. I just, I can't recommend it enough. It's the most amazing, amazing thing. Uh, but what else I've been watching is, um, man, I made a point to go out of my way to see this last Friday. Oh, um, buddy. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm -hmm. And I, I've said when we do our critic scores, I've said before, um, I am I'm willing to give a 51 uh, uh one point above all the rest if I ever saw something that just it was like nothing I'd ever seen before um and I contemplated it really hard for for everything everywhere all at once um man I just again it, it's the first time in decades that I felt like I saw something like truly new that, that hadn't been done. I felt like cinema was moving forward. Um, I gotta think it's like what people felt like when they saw Pulp Fiction in 1995, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, it was so good. And the reason I considered giving it a 51, Vanessa convinced me to calm down and wait a day. Um, mm -hmm. and I ended up, I ended up giving it a 50, a clean five stars. Um, but I was like, well, if I rank, if I rank movies by genre, um, I've never seen a movie that so effectively hopped between so many genres at such a rapid rate that I would have to essentially consider it a category of its own. Um, and I just can't believe they, first of all, did something in terms of, uh, in terms of cinematography and editing I can't believe they pulled off such a masterpiece. Um, I can't believe in terms of such a high-concept movie. It's a multiverse movie. Um, I can't believe that they made it so accessible. Um, 
And in terms of pacing, man, I can't believe they were just pedal to the metal, no wasted motion, and I never felt tired or exhausted. Um, it's 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 a little over two hours, and I, as when they brought me my check at Alamo Drafthouse, I know they do that like 40 minutes before the movie's over, and I was just sitting there being like, ah, oh, I wish this was going to last just a little bit longer. You know, because mm-hmm. soon soon it'll be the end of the first time i ever saw this movie and i'll I'll never have that back i'm like i i really wish i could sit in this theater and watch this movie for another hour but it was it was just perfect the way it was and just the fact that they were able to blend sci-fi drama action comedy um all of those things together so so uh, I'm trying to think of a word other than seamless because I ooh, I was gonna feed it to you. Uh, that's I, I've been thinking of it, but that that truly is like it's just so seamlessly done, and it's just you're you're doing all of these things that shouldn't work. You shouldn't be able to like do so much comedy without like undercutting serious moments. Um, you shouldn't be able to do so much high concept bullshit and make us care so much about the heart of the characters and just like the emotional content of the story and just everything hits its mark just right on the money um it is it's a goddamn masterpiece um i i wouldn't hype it this much if i wasn't so confident that it's gonna deliver i i understand what what hype and expectations do like you know i was told that the batman is like better than the dark knight and i think that affected my enjoyment of the movie because the whole time i was like evaluating it against the dark knight instead of just watching it you know for what it is um i i am so confident that this movie delivers that i feel very comfortable hyping it up this much amazing and you if if you are a film buff you will be blown away and if you're not you will not feel excluded like it is not something that is like dense and pretentious and and hard to relate to um it's really not it's very accessible to everyone and i just i love it so much man i love it so damn much i i almost went i have an alamo season pass and honestly the only thing that stopped me from going back the next day or the day after just to watch it again was i just didn't have enough time but like i'm still planning on going to another theatrical showing of that movie i loved it man i was crazy about it all right uh i have tickets to see it tomorrow so i'll report back cool who knows maybe an emergency podcast depending on that would get overhyped we'll see that would be cool. I would I would so do a very special episode on that just to have an excuse to watch it again. Like, I, I would totally do a, a quick little 30-minute uh, breaking news update. This movie fucking rocks. We just had to say something if, if you feel that way about it. I absolutely would. All right. Well, with that out of the way, I think we're ready to get into some movies here. What say you? I, I am ready for the movies, Greg. I'm ready for them. I was born ready for them. All right. Hell yeah. That's what I love to hear, man. Well, first off, we've got the correct audience pick that we successfully coerced them into uh, voting for. Vampire's Kiss, the 1988 
movie <laughs> that is can... uh it is it's available to watch on something called philo i don't know what the hell that is and if you want to rent it on amazon instead too bad it's not available in your country if you're listening in america I... or if enemy of the show davis Kauk lends you his dvd six years ago you can just watch it whenever you want <laughs> i think you should give that back buddy yeah I, eventually i did get the itunes rental which is something i haven't done since maybe 2008 so man that was a fun little throwback to have to do what a, in a way what it's a just joke. fitting because it's such a it's such an aggressively 80s movie um that you should use a dated form of technology to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right, Denny, I will summarize this movie for us if you can tell me what the genre is of Vampire's Kiss. Um, the genre, I would say, is um, mm -hmm. psychological drama. Hmm? Psychological drama. Okay, we'll go with that. Or... With elements of six or other you could things. Say, the genre is vampires. That's, that's that's its whole that's you're, the genre. You're, yeah. you're talking about everything everywhere all at once being like a one of a kind <laughs> movie pushing cinema forward. I argue that Vampire's Kiss did it first. I I might argue with you. I might I I might agree <laughs> strongly. Uh then no one should really think that. Alright, I'll I'll summarize Vampire's Kiss for us. <sighs> Vampire's Kiss, starring Nicolas Cage. He plays a character named Mr. Ooh, is it Lowe? Is that what it was? Oh, I don't know what the character's name. Hold on, I'll look it up. Um, uh, Trump impression book sales guy <laughs> is a publishing executive living in Manhattan. He's got a girlfriend, I think. But he is finding him <laughs> one night a bat flies into their room while they're uh, trying to get it on and he see he discovers that he was this is where i put my face in my palm and then just close my eyes and talk through it nick cage discovers that he's turned on by the bat that flew into his room he eventually meets a woman that uh seduces him and starts biting him on the neck he's like "Ooh, baby i like this and he is convinced that he is becoming a vampire. He starts being just hurt by sunlight, sensitive to sunlight, unable to see his own reflection. He's becoming a vampire because of this woman that seduced him, I guess. All the while, there's this poor woman in his office that needs to find an old contract so they can... Uh, provide it for a client they've had for years. She can't find it. Nicholas Cage is mad about it. We're pretty... Well, spoilers for this shitty movie. Um, it turns out he's not really a vampire. It's all kind of an illusion. Delusional. He's delusional. And he talks to a wall and eventually that girl's brother kills him because Nicholas Cage raped that woman. And it's very upsetting and very strange. And every meme that you've seen involving Nicolas Cage is directly sourced from this material. That's the real plot, is that we got a bunch of memes yep. 34 years after the fact. 
And uh, you, you were correct. The character's name is Peter Lowe, spelled L-O-E-W, because this movie just refuses to do anything normal. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we make sense when I can move the W to the end of my name? Greg, what's your relationship with this film? This I, fine piece of cinema? I've known about it for years, man. I'd, I'd never seen it until just the other day when I eventually rented it on iTunes. I, I, I was familiar with all the memes. I guess I didn't realize that they were all from the same movie. But <laughs> I was happy yeah. to see them all in living color in front of my eyes. But man... I went in pretty blind because nobody ever talks about the plot of this film, mm-hmm. of course. So <laughs> everything happening was a surprise to me. More on that later. What about you, Denny? Um, I I could have sworn I watched it with you before. Because um, I watched it at Colby and Kristen's place uh, around the time you were living there. Um, I, I could have sworn we'd watched it together. And I was really surprised when you said you'd never seen it. And I think I definitely doctor that memory because this definitely seems like the kind of thing we would watch together um oh 100 uh, enemy of the show davis Kauk watched this with willis and then watched like all the director's commentary on youtube and oh, was like damn. we must spread this gospel to everyone we know um and uh dude i i have continued to spread it um I'm, so I think this is what's going to make this an interesting discussion because I've I've pro- I've seen this movie five or six times now, um, and every time I was just like, "What an absolute shit show this movie is!" Um, and you know what? This time it hit me different, and I actually think this movie is kind of brilliant. Um, I certainly think Nicolas Cage's performance in the movie is brilliant, and I think all of the absurdity that that he brought to the table uh elevated a very mediocre film um and i used to think it was a decent enough script that got ruined by nicholas cage just stomping all over it mm-hmm. um and i i it just i don't know what it is i think it's like honestly i think it's knowing more nick cage interviews and reading his recent ama on reddit which like if you guys haven't checked out his ama on our movies uh it is it is a hell of a read and not in like a insane i can't believe he said this wild thing uh way but in a very like insightful and awesome and nick cage seems like a really humble grounded guy type of way um this was always uh, he recently changed his answer um he would say that this was his favorite performance he'd ever given um, and he's changed that to pig now. Um, he thinks that's his best work. Um, I can't fault either choice. Mm-hmm. I really am seeing like when you when you understand that like Nick Cage isn't some like crackhead maniac who just doesn't know what to do and yells when a camera's pointed at him. And when you see like the method of what he's doing, um, that he really is trying to engage with acting differently. Um, I actually think it's it's a masterful performance um uh we'll we'll get we'll get more into that uh i understand i i actually texted enemy of the show davis Kauk and was like i told him this and i was like am i going crazy or am i finally sane i i, I legitimately can't tell the difference anymore 
Hell yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're in a couple different places. This it, It's not like... I'm definitely not saying that his performance is bad in any way. I, I thought the script was a lot weaker than your like initial thought. Like I don't think it's a good movie. I just think this is one of the most special and unique performances I've ever seen. And I don't mean that as yes. like an insult. Like it's it's definitely not bad. It's just like every single decision he made in every scene like we're we're changing settings and we're getting more of him. I was surprised every single scene by what decision he was making. Yeah, and I, I was having an absolute blast with it. I, I I watched a YouTube video from Wisecrack a couple of years back, simply called Nicolas Cage Deep or Dumb, um, and a point that they were making was his his method of acting draws attention to the fact that it's acting um it doesn't try to be realistic um and that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people because acting is usually an effort to be as genuine and realistic and make people forget that you're performing as, as it can be the point that wisecrack made was that's like saying portraiture is the only good form of painting um and they, and they, they with 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 a corrective or they tapered it a little and they were like and maybe that idea doesn't just translate it just doesn't translate to acting because acting is such an intimate medium of performance and such an intimate art form um but when you look at what nick cage is doing with that lens of like he's not trying to act like a real human he's trying to act like he's acting um and I, I do think it's a misplaced effort a lot of the time. I think it's something that he does it in a lot of movies where it doesn't really belong there, and sometimes it misses the mark. Um, I think with a <clears throat> with a script like American Psycho, well, sorry, with a script like Vampire's Kiss that is basically American Psycho, like with vampires, that's what it is. It, it's the same movie with with very very similar themes, almost identical. Um, just lower budget, less polished, and less compelling. Um, mm -hmm. He's playing a literal, like, a legitimate psychotic person um, who seems to have some, some form of antisocial personality disorder traits um, and is just caught up in the yuppie bullshit um, while he's slowly losing his mind. And why would he not be unhinged in every way? You know, like, why, I, 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 again, like, I used to just laugh at the insanity, and this time I was like, that son of a bitch, he's brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. Um, he's a sexy cat, you know? Like, that's that's all I can say. Like, That's right. Dude, There, there's got to be, like, so many things that, if I watch this movie again, I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot he did that bullshit yep. <laughs> i don't yep. know how else to describe it man yeah like no one else could deliver this kind of performance no one. no one ever no one ever and no one ever will well i think bronco henry could do it honestly you know what when if you want to talk about bronco henry i was actually going to bring this up greg you oh wanna talk, <laughs> you want to talk about psychological abuse depicted in cinema mm -hmm. eat your fucking heart out power of the dog 
eat your fucking heart out at the depiction of psychological abuse in this movie. Yeah, Jane Campion was like, Well, you see, Benedict Cumberbatch was... (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, oh man, Bronco Henry could have found the file. Bronco Henry would have found that file in no time. But Peter Lowe would never hate him enough to give him such a horrible, (laughs) unbearable job. And that's that's what's so funny to me. Something that I always come back to is I'm like, for all the insanity of this movie, for all of the, like, sitting on the shrink's couch, losing your mind and thinking you're a vampire, and the sex and the bats, 80% of this movie is about looking for a file. Yep. That's like yep. the main focus of the film. That's like that's the backbone. <laughs> this, this boring ass premise and did this with it. Like who would watch a fucking movie about a secretary with a dickhead boss who just keeps keeps making her look through a lot of files until she finds a document. Oh my god, what they got out of that. The mileage they got out of that. It's yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a pretty weak backbone to try to build a movie off of, which is which brings me to one of my notes. Are are you familiar with the uh, Kubrick stare? No, I'm not. It's the uh, con- it's the uh, filmmaking technique that Kubrick would use, where he puts the camera up here and then kind of once the uh, the main character reaches a certain point of disconnection, you can just barely see their eyes, like under their eyebrows and they've just got this menacing stare oh the the jack nicholson yeah 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 i I know of him doing that in more than one kubrick movie (laughs) yeah so nicholas cage here perfected the what i call kubrick slouch (laughs) (laughs) Do, do you know what he's actually doing well, there's one scene where he's on the bed and he's he's doing the same kind of stare but his mm. back looks like mine he's he's, he's doing nosferatu ah that's yeah. that's what he's doing they well, even, he screamed like, at somebody i'm nosferatu when they even like um when when the imaginary vampire psychosis girlfriend is like leading him up the stairs and they have that long shadow behind him um and he does that really specific walk they later show him watching Nosferatu and showing that exact moment that he did a couple minutes ago. Um, like it's it's and then he like starts walking and hunching and behaving like Nosferatu and uh, and if you have ever heard Nick Cage talk about his work, he always talks about his love for like silent film and German expressionism um, mm-hmm. and that basically Nosferatu and the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari are basically his like the core that he always draws from and and then builds outward from what he loves about those movies so it makes a lot of sense why he would like this movie so much and why he would commit so fucking hard to it did nosferatu also show up to the office with sunglasses and smoking a cigarette and snapping his fingers (laughs) um that was he's just so eccentric that was influenced by uh, Lost Boys and uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. There's he, always he drew, a thing. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> you had me in the first half, not going to lie. Uh. <laughs> God, that was cool. Like, it, that was literally a moment where, like, when that happened, I thought of Abed Nadir 
talking about it in community where he's like you watch a couple of his movies and you think you understand but he begs you to stop watching and you just can't look away um and like (laughs) that you you just never truly understand him um and that's what's so fascinating about him is that like he can be this like fucking unhinged psychopath jumping on desk and like nodding his head back and forth going too late too late like a goddamn fucking giant cuckoo clock (laughs) and then the next scene he's like cool as fuck collected but also like doing like an 80s high schooler's idea of what's cool and doing it in his like office and it's just like i just i just he's a step ahead of me like just always he's always a step ahead of me and i can't crack him and it's so good that's that's why i said like every single scene just surprises me like he he shows up just you never know what he's gonna do because he's Mm -hmm. like furthering like as the story goes along he's becoming like a little bit more and more unhinged as it goes and each it's not super incremental it's just wildly over here and then it's wildly over here it's super interesting it's just it's it's so cool to watch like i don't know i have a lot of very polarizing thoughts about this movie like even in my own head but it's just like i couldn't look away honestly and that honestly and sometimes i do think this is a cop-out but i i really do accept it from nick cage because i i believe it's what he's going for and i've heard him say it a lot um first of all like in his ama all the time when people are like what do you think about all the memes and he was basically like you know what if anyone is talking about what i did in my movies i'm flattered um you know like and if i gave a performance that stuck with you i'm flattered that that you would remember it and i've heard him in other interviews i i hate to break the illusion for a lot of people but like he knows that he's being hired to create a train wreck you know like and he knows that people are gonna come see some of his stuff just because they've heard it so bad and he knows that's what the studio wants from him and he Mm -hmm. delivers it in in spades man suited like fucking royal flush suited in everything he does he delivers it on his terms i feel like and this feels like a movie that was entirely on his terms i mean like i mean how i duh right but (laughs) well i i haven't listened to the the commentary on youtube but willis and enemy of the show davis kauk um they frequently tell me it's nick cage and the director talking about it and they pick up a vibe that the director just like fucking hates nick cage um to the point that i have to check this out when when he ate the cockroach he first of all for real for a shoot ate a cockroach i i could tell i was like there's no way he faked that and apparently uh possibly in an act of spite and revenge um the director made him do a lot of takes um (laughs) made him it was like oh we didn't get it that time you have to eat another cockroach yeah fucker it's kind of it's kind of the vibe i'm told people got from the interviews and uh uh, you know what like i said i think he elevated a very forgettable movie with his performance i really do uh i'll 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 give a comparison to what i think about this movie man because we've kind of i think we've given our overall thoughts 
very well here. Yeah. I sent you a link to a YouTube video. Did you watch it? Shit, no. I forgot, actually. You told me it was important to watch it before the podcast, and I, I was I'll, in a place where I couldn't I couldn't play the audio uh, on my phone. You might, have, you might have seen this before. A few years ago, it was a pretty viral video of a... Uh, it's like a kid's concert in Japan, and the camera's only focusing on the drummer who's wearing this big red mascot costume. And it is just this upbeat, cheery kids song at like a kid outdoor kids concert, but the drummer is progressively getting more and more unhinged and insane, and just playing fucking double bass drum blast beats, just doing all these quick fills, just drumming out of their minds. It's it's the exact same thing as this movie. That yeah. this movie is the cinematic film and acting equivalent of a japanese mascot playing speed metal drums at a kid's concert <laughs> that's a perfect analogy i haven't seen the video but i would say i the, would the description alone perfect analogy if it wasn't a guy or a, or a woman i don't know who it was if it wasn't a person wearing a costume and they weren't playing the drums like this i would never seek this song out right i would never try to listen to this song and if i heard it I wouldn't really care. I'd just be like, okay, and just move on. Yep. But because there is a person in a mascot costume drumming, like just demolishing the shit out of their drums, playing way too fast, uh, I like I, I I watch it and I watch it again and I watch it again. But in the background, it's just some like happy cheery kid song that I don't really care about and. Mm -hmm. That's it's it's a three minute clip that just summarizes my experience with this movie. God, I, I love this movie so much. Like, I I don't know if I lost track of the joke or if I developed a deeper appreciation for it. But it uh, sounds like you developed a way deeper appreciation for it. I I really I I think I think I have, and I, I'm gonna stand by it. Like it it, it really was. I was just sitting there watching it for the umpteenth time last night and I was like now I understand what he was going for and boy did he ever get it like so so, cool. so what part of like him getting it does him crying by going boohoo how does that fit into your your <laughs> well, thoughts here you know he literally is open that he was like I wanted to see if I could cry if i could actually say boohoo and sneak it in there i feel like, like you mentioned that here before yeah i think so again it's it's him playing around with the medium of acting it's him you, it's him like legitimately trying to do something that no one else is doing with it and it's so impressive like yeah. like i said it's it's special like it's it's I'll have to probably see it a couple more times if I, to like determine if I want to argue like good or bad, yeah. but it is special and unique and engaging. And if that's what he was going for, maybe that's all I need to get out of it. Really, you know, yeah. maybe and, he's and not I, going for good. He's going for just to see like what he can push. Yeah, I because uh, like he wanted to see if he could sneak it in, and I will say. He not did. just the boohoo <laughs> yeah um well, well sneak um, yeah <laughs> um i noticed he cried weird but i didn't notice he said boohoo until until i was looking for it and he, he really 
like it just like really does sneak it in and for me it was um, the subtitles that gave it away so it wasn't snuck in yeah um they say he he says poo-hoo but the subtitles say boo-hoo yeah he 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 admits it though like he was trying to do it and uh you know like sometimes the art itself is experimental um but this was this was so measured like that's the thing it's not like he it was very measured like a treasure um but but what he's doing is so measured that like for example when he does the alphabet bit yeah um his his blocking after it the way he the way he uh, uh just very intentionally places his hands in three different places on his body after that his arm gestures just three yeah yeah but it's like he's he's not just like doing a line of coke and turning the camera on and just going wild no was, no those were it, those were choices like intentional choices um that i i just again it's 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 not the kind of thing i'm used to and it definitely is the type of thing that takes some getting used to um or better word uh familiarizing yourself with yeah <laughs> there's um, no getting used to this but it's the same as like uh when when i first saw a picasso painting in fourth grade i was like that sucks that dude's not even good at art. I, I, I just because my idea of what art was supposed to be was yeah. Was... Every everybody knows what art is, Denny. It's paintings yeah. of horses. Right, exactly. Um, I was like, dude, I could, I could paint something kind of like that in fourth grade. I could come close to duplicating some of it, but that's not the point, right? That's not the point. It was, it was the process. It was the expression. It was the experimentation, and it was also just, like, the role Picasso played in art history, right? That, like, Mm -hmm. people weren't really trying that in a way, at least, that got recognition before him. Um, And you know what? I I wouldn't say Nick Cage is always successful in his experimentations, but I would say um, I respect the living fuck out of his effort. And, like, people who work, like, ask actors about Nicolas Cage instead of audiences and universally you will hear that he's the hardest working man in Hollywood that he put that he takes everything he does very seriously and that he puts just so much fucking effort into it like and I think there's just a a different perspective on the craft that that he brings to the table yeah absolutely and we, we like every time one of his movies gets you know talked about on this podcast we say the same thing because it that just carries through to every single movie and there's two more movies that at least one of which encapsulates that very well yeah we don't talk about next so (laughs) i I guess my 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 own my last thought i guess on the movie is you you just mentioned the alphabet scene where he says the alphabet that movie had the exact same feeling as that part in Mandy where he's slamming the vodka in his underwear and like mm-hmm. walking around the bathroom and screaming where it truly felt like nobody on set but Nicolas Cage knew what he was going to do next. Yeah. It seems like there's hesitation from either the camera or in this case other actors what's going to happen next and there's just like this everyone's kind of on edge like what's he gonna do next and that just makes it feel more organic you know yeah even though it is a very you know easy to 
it's it's a it's kind of a silly thing yeah honestly but hey but then like you see you see the 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 therapist character reacting to it like a normal human would react like like for real like what would you do if you're at work and you're and someone just starts acting like that and so to me i'm like that reaction brings it back down into reality you know like brings it into like oh this is a real situation that this therapist has to deal with you know like yeah and and it felt like that her reaction and we'll get into that here with gimmicks her reaction felt like that it's kind of like okay i kind of need you talk need to talk you down from this a little bit right i don't know if this you talk about movies setting therapy back 10 years i don't know if the um the bat made me horny discussion sets therapy back at all uh maybe you can answer to that um honestly the the therapy in this movie was very freudian which uh would probably be appropriate uh we'd kind of moved on from that by the late 80s but as far as the cultural zeitgeist um she she was doing classical psychoanalysis where uh the client lays down they don't look at your face and they just free associate and you try to analyze it um no one does that anymore and they haven't for like 40 or 50 years maybe even longer um but uh uh it's still what people think of as what therapy is a lot of the time and so yeah i don't know i was actually kind of surprised at um how they how they captured how they captured a lot of a lot of the good of therapy um that i didn't think that this depiction of therapy was like an abomination right down to the counselor's uh codependent tendencies on <laughs> with her clients um <laughs> the like uh, uh just know this every, every counselor is a hypocrite about their own self-care and every counselor is a little bit codependent um myself included anyone who says they're not is a liar um and they i, I honestly <laughs> I, I don't think I certainly don't think it moved therapy forward at all because it it didn't normalize it it, it definitely affirmed that uh, it definitely affirmed that like the idea that therapy is for like absolutely unhinged crazy people who have departed reality um, and let me tell you I've worked with psychosis it doesn't look like this sorry guys it's not as sexy um, <laughs> like um, uh, but uh I, I don't think it moved it back. I guess it was a, a lateral move for therapy and cinema, I suppose, for all the insanity of it. Yeah. It certainly treated it respectfully, I, I would say. It treated it respectfully. Which is interesting, given that, again, spoilers, it seems like at least one therapy session and presumably maybe the rest of them took place in Cage's head. Yeah. So it, it, it could have been that the therapist was never even real. So Yeah. No, that's definitely possible, and it also, like, actualized a a fear of mine and that something that has happened to me as a therapist is, like... Because, basically, I I never know anyone's context. Um, Mm -hmm. I I only know their subjective report of their experience, and um, that's why I don't really give advice on choices you should make. I never make advice on that, actually. I'm like, no, you got to make your own life choices. Like, I, I don't know if you should break up with your girlfriend. I don't know. you got to figure that out for yourself. I'm here to help you figure out what you want, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
Um, if I tell you to do something, it'll be based on research, and I'm not aware of any research studies on your uh, current romantic relationship. Um, you know, <laughs> but like. Um, but but if someone came in and said, "Hey, my girlfriend has been sucking large amounts of blood out of my neck every night," would you advise against that, or maybe? Um, I would say that is a form of physical abuse if you're not consenting to it. Um, even then. I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm not going to tell you to leave a relationship. I'm not going to tell you to quit your job. Uh, cause I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out. Even if it, you know, like, I'll tell you what abuse is. I'll tell you, you deserve better than that. Um, I'll tell you about the cycle of abuse and how to break it if you want to. But realistically, if I told you to leave your relationship and you ended up regretting that decision, you could blame me for it and i don't fucking know right like i, I don't mm -hmm. know if you should do that um so one of my fears and something that has happened is that despite my best efforts to return responsibility to my clients for the decisions they make in their life that they'll hear what they want to hear from me and then weaponize our sessions and i'm like I don't want to be part of enabling anyone's bullshit. And sometimes they make me part of it without my consent. Like it was just going to happen no matter what I said or did. They're going to, they're going to go home and say, my therapist said to do this, even though I didn't. Um, and then they're <laughs> going to use that as their, and I'm like, nah, I don't want any fucking part of that. Um, Cause I don't tell you what to do. If I tell you what to do, it's about how to like cope with mental illness and take care of yourself. It's not about, the path you should follow in your existential yeah. journey um so yeah you got to see that happen in this too um <laughs> you know like or maybe the therapist is completely made up and a delusion so i don't know she but she behaved so differently in the final scene that yeah I'm, incli I'm inclined to believe that in the world of the film that it actually happened i'd buy that i'd buy that i'd buy that for a dollar yeah all right man good, good robocop reference i got you man anything anything for you all right um i think uh we're about ready to get into some gimmicks for this one bud what do you say i can do some gimmicks brother all right we have a new gimmick this week i must say it is the uh it's the gimmick of the week gimmick of the week that's right and it is our favorite moment of unbearable weight these are the moments where nicholas cage <laughs> oh man for this one's tough Favorite moment for when Nicolas Cage was performing better than the movie deserved, where he was shouldering the weight and carrying it like an absolute pro. Mm -hmm. Being the best person on set by a mile. Yes. Buddy, I wish we had this for jujitsu, but we've got it for these three movies. What is your favorite moment of unbearable weight for Vampire's Guess? So we we were just gonna talk we were just talking about it but I'll I'll recontextualize it it's it's the alphabet scene, um not not just for the unhinged unhinged moment that's been memed over and over again of him screaming the alphabet it's in our uh, song, it's it's in it's in John John Wasson's original what's my cage again, um, but it's it's the entire scene the way that they built to him, coming unglued about that and his like his refusal to accept that like maybe the answer to this problem is someone made an understandable mistake um and he just keeps building his frustration 
and then the 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 falling action the denouement as the french say um of just the putting his hands on his hips acting like a little petulant child uh throwing a temper tantrum and then the hard cut to sunglasses and cigarettes indoors um and you know to 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 paraphrase bo burnham uh in one of his bits you you look at the alphabet and i'm like you know what a lesser actor would have stopped at g and a better actor wouldn't have done it at all and nick cage is this perfect (laughs) one-of-a-kind performer who knew what to do with it (laughs) (laughs) it's that's so that's when i truly was like this man is on another on another level it's that whole scene it's better than the movie deserved i love it man i i think for me my pick is going to be it it's the one it's the first scene where i realized not everything in this movie has been overdone into a meme and i'm still going to be completely surprised at some things and that's when he's looking for alva and in the room right outside of his office walks over to the desk where she always sits and is just screaming for her alva 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 walks out of his office walks straight towards her jumps on another desk points at her and says there you are you are not expecting him to jump on that fucking desk at all. It was a, like, all. a legitimate athletic feat. That was a hell of a CrossFit box jump. Yeah. A, like, a, it's amazing. A, a desk that is almost up to his hips. Yeah. He's just, like, on top of. Effortlessly. 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 And he's just like, oh, shit. This guy's going to do so much more. That's going to completely blow my mind. Yeah. And the movie carried that through. I, I that That one had it for me. Um, I, I did come across a note. Speaking of things that haven't been memed to death, did you notice that David Hyde Pierce is an extra in this movie? No. He is uh, uh, Henry from Wet Hot American Summer, and more notably, uh, Dr. Niles Crane from Frasier. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's a scene where they're at a restaurant, and they open on him, um, and then they go down a line of extras to Nick Cage, but it, it's, I looked it up, it's, it's fucking David Hyde Pierce, and they just, like, hold the camera on him for a second, and let you get a good, a nice good look at his well-lit self, and then just move through a crowd, and we land on Nick Cage. It's, is that the, is that the scene where we meet the vampire lady? I want to say so. They're, like, at a restaurant, and he's wearing a black jacket. Um, yeah. He, he's credited as theater guy, so I assume he's supposed to be, like, a pretentious <laughs> live theater buff. But I was like, man, that looks a lot like him. Oh, my mm-hmm. fucking God. It, like, I looked it up. I was like, no fucking way. He's in this movie. Um, Incredible. And, and they, they made a point to, like, he wasn't, he obviously hadn't done Frasier yet. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, they made a point to, like, really show you, hey, he's here, and then move on. It's the yeah. weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, right before he ordered up some toss salad and, uh, of course, some scrambled eggs. Yeah. So, <laughs> Denny, what's your favorite line? You had many an option. Oh, dude. It, it was hard to narrow it down. Um, I, I, th- I could have gone with screaming alva i could have gone with so many things but i think the one that sticks with me most is uh oh i don't know 
it's it's a tie. Um, I, okay, I'll give a runner-up. My runner-up was going to be my favorite, but I just changed my mind. And it's, am I getting through to you, Alva? Um, <laughs> but, man, my number one, just because of, like, the way it's delivered, the timing with which it's delivered is... Uh, it doesn't just go away, Alva. <laughs> Nothing just goes away. And I, like... <laughs> I, I actually like will say that and no one will ever get the reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it so much and uh I don't know if you noticed, but when he goes to Alva's house right before that line, did you notice that he is knocking on the window, gesturing to the door, um, but he can't it, come it, inside because she doesn't invite him in. Oh my god. And, and I know I noticed he rang the doorbell. In. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to get her to say come in and she never does it so he stays outside because that's a vampire lore thing that's awesome yeah all right uh i've got one runner up and it's when the delusion starts to fall apart he sees his vampire girlfriend and she's leaving and he's like did you hear me i said i love you (laughs) (laughs) starts throwing up But my favorite line, we talked about the scene extensively. Nick Cage belts out the alphabet. And our pensive therapist says, Very good. You know your alphabet. (laughs) That was my favorite. That was the, um, the, uh, my raw reaction kind of feeling like, right like everyone on set is like is he gonna say the whole alphabet here and that felt very like a little ad-libbed who knows if that was in the script or not but i just it was presented as if she was (laughs) shocked that he did all that well because that's the thing Uh. is like if you wanted to just be a dick and be like how could someone not know their alphabet you just go come on how hard is it a b c d e f g and then he keeps going and by the time he's at like m you're like oh my god is he really gonna do the whole thing oh my fucking god he went like it's so beyond demonstrating that filing is simple which is what he's in theory trying to do filing Um, where you can watch this movie Oh, that's why it's on philo oh because it's the only movie ever about filing just just like that document, I couldn't find this fucking movie. Perhaps it was misfiled. <sighs> These mistakes do happen, Greg. Who? Misfiled by who? <laughs> oh my god, I, I want to go watch it again. I love uh, this movie. Give, give me a few days. But uh, What's your Critiker score here, bud? I, I bumped it up. Colossal leap. Um... I had it at a 19 out of 50, and I bumped it up to a 35 out of 50. Holy shit. Yeah, I just, again, it it hit me different this time, man. It just hit me differently, and I have a completely newfound, deeper level of appreciation for this movie. I gave it a 35 out of 50. That is staggering. Yeah. I I, I said it before, man. Like I, I like watching the drummer but I'm not all about the song. I got to give this one a 9 out of 40. Maybe, uh... If it it was anybody else in that role, 
this would be like a one or a two. Oh, right? without a doubt, without a doubt. It's so special and it's so him that I I I I bump it up by a large factor and I give it a nine out of forty. Yeah. You know, I I was there. I've I've been there. Uh, I I've I've actually uh, matured a lot since this time last night when I watched this movie. So you know, I I remember. Being <laughs> I've grown you, since then. Yeah, I yeah. remember where you were or being where you are with with this movie. Maybe no, I I don't invalidate it at all. Um. Again, I thought this movie was like uh, a fantastic piece of shit um, that was that was really fun to watch up until yesterday. So I'm I'm not going to knock the low score. I'm just saying it's a subjective, and my subjective opinion has completely changed on on this movie. All right, I'll accept that. I'm not going to be so easy on next. <laughs> don't be <laughs> speaking of next speaking of next thank you next next all right ariana grande <laughs> is here to present next because this is a grande piece of shit all right <laughs> we don't need a seamless edit here do we bud let me see i i could use a beer um but i could wait i could wait till con air all right Let's go. We'll grab that drink next, man. Let's do it. Hey, let's do it next. We'll Uh, do it next. I won't do it now. I'll do it next. First, I want to do next. Then next, I'll get a beer. I'm looking into your future, but only a little bit. And you're still talking about this podcast, and it doesn't really do anything for me. (laughs) Man, this movie's kind of some dog shit, huh, buddy? Dude, this movie is, is bad. I was just, I was begging for the credits to roll. It's a bad movie. Oh, we'll get to the credits. What the fuck the, were those credits? At the Jesus end of the Christ. discussion. They're we'll fucking, get to it. We'll get to it. They're fucking illegible. We'll, 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 fucking we'll get there. We'll, fucking font. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <sighs> so, next, it is a 2007 movie. Guess what? It stars Nicolas Cage. You can watch this movie on HBO Max, but you're better off just watching maybe like a YouTube summary and then listening to us, honestly. <laughs> It is. It is not a. It, it, this is two very deep level Nicolas Cage fans saying it, we've watched a lot of bad Cage. Like, um, there's bad Cage, and then there's bad Cage. This is this is bad Cage. Uh, I, it's it's not even like, it's not even like Nicolas Cage sucks in this movie. It's this movie sucks. No. It's a shitty, stupid movie. It's a dumb movie. Yep. Yep. A dumb idea that is, that is poorly executed and just reeks of. Uh, uh, what happened in Julianne Moore's life that made her sink to this level. Um, and I, I hope it's just that she knew it sucked, but they gave her so much fucking money she didn't care. I, I hope that's why she was in this movie. Yeah, I talked about, you know, Vampire's Kiss being a bad movie, but Cage elevating it. This movie is different, where it's it's the same kind of thing, but it feels like from the top down the message was like no it's going to be this it's going to be like this and the this that they were going for was fucking dumb yeah. and bad <laughs> and pretty it's just it's, it's annoying man yeah. i don't like it well i really think like the i picked of, this <laughs> i know you did and i was wondering why but i, I really do think that the mid to late 2000s is probably the most uninspired era of Nicolas Cage's career. We got to um, touch on it every once in a while, bud. Yeah, but it's just he's he's just 
he's taking projects that uh, to me clearly don't really excite him like some of his other projects do it's it's <laughs> it's post it's post 90s action hero nick cage it's post uh really it's like there was national treasure and then i feel like there was a drop off and then we hit the straight to dvd era and now that had so many gems buried in it that now we're in the like career revival Nicolas Cage appreciation era. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I love man, it here personally. Yeah. Oh, I do too. But the the mid to late two thousands, right around this time, were uh, quite quite the doldrum in his body of work. He he had work. He contributed a lot. And if anything, I think it's uh, what a lot of millennials know him most for is kind of taking these very flavorless roles in flavorless movies. Um, and it's just not it's not an exciting time period for him if you ask me hey they they it's just a misuse of the man yeah you know like they're they're just trying to make him the action star the love interest and it doesn't seem like even he really wants to be that but they keep insisting that he is should i summarize the plot yeah, yeah, summarize the plot. Let, let me throw this thought before you do. <laughs> yeah. His, his haircut, his wardrobe, and uh, the, the phase of his body just scream, this guy's not the hero in the love interest. He looks so fucking schlubby. Like, you know, like... Oh, like, my God. Yeah, anyway, summarize the movie. Yeah, man. In, in summary, next is... Let's see here. It is a movie about a uh, magician sorry he does illusions in vegas <laughs> very joe bluth-esque very he's got serious job vibes and some pretty will arnett hair i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it is the best cage hair performance we've seen in a while but yeah it's it's this guy he has a let's not call it a superpower because it's not very super but he can see up to two minutes into his own future right basically he was he got a fucking superpower from a monkey's paw and got the fucking dumbest worst superpower ever no no it was he was said he was born with it it's not maybelline maybe he's born with it nah well yes oh yeah uh he he finds out that well he he's been having visions of a woman that he sees at 809 in a cafe he knows that there's a woman out there he's only ever seen two minutes into the future of you know any current given time that he's in but he does keep having visions of the future of this woman and eventually in the movie he does finally meet this woman and he realizes that she expands his powers and he can see further into the future when he's close to her and that's not further explained so there is a nuclear threat going on so nicholas cage has to leave his life of time manipulation magic tricks in vegas (laughs) and instead (laughs) pursue a life of (laughs) counterterrorism. doing good you you got a fucking rich evans laugh out of me that's how good you're doing (laughs) good god well guess what we're only halfway through the movie so (laughs) they go to flagstaff arizona and through a series of manipulations 
and bullshit they fall in love the girl that he saw for the future but he found her in the cafe the powers are expanded right and then the fbi wants him he's like i just want to be free what about my freedom hey eight million people might die what about me and it doesn't whatever so he doesn't want to get experimented on so he's running away from the law there are russians after him that are speaking french i'm confused he he finds the nuclear threat kind of and saves los angeles because we can't have a movie that doesn't involve saving los angeles so (laughs) can't all be the rock i suppose yeah if we're not saving los angeles we're saving new york so or we're leaving las vegas <laughs> this is definitely another entry in my, <laughs> or... <laughs> uh, in my ongoing uh, all Nicolas Cage movies set in Las Vegas or same universe theory that I'm trying to piece together. Yeah. That'll that'll be for the Patreon when I finally figure it out, yeah, and, and when we make a Patreon, we need we need a cork board and some yarn, so <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah, and Con Air he violently re-enters Las Vegas. <laughs> He's not leaving. <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> can't wait to talk about that shit oh what we got to talk about next i uh, almost spat out my beer all over the fucking laptop <laughs> i'm 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 killing it so far with you at least oh my god yeah you are oh man dude what's your relationship with this movie real quick we watched the first 10 minutes of this movie together on uh, sunday yes. this past sunday yes. so you had never seen this before I'd never seen it, and I'd barely heard of it. I think I, like, knew the title and that Nick Cage is in it. Um, I knew absolutely nothing else about it and went in completely blind. Um, so that's that's my whole relationship with it. I watched it, and uh, I wish I didn't. <laughs> there you go. Very fair. I regret picking it, but also I'm very glad I picked it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those. I, I remember this movie coming out, and I did see it. I want to say maybe 2009. I think I watched it probably at my friend Nathan's house. I think we had probably gotten the DVD at the local Blockbuster by the Taco Bell in Midlothian. That is now a completely different store. So (laughs) I watched it back then. I I haven't seen it then. And I was reminded of it in a... It was a uh, video posted on Twitter that reminded me of this movie just the other week. And uh, it is my second favorite line in the movie so more on that later cool and now it's on hbo max and i was very happy to watch it again and it was just as bad as i remember it's so bad it fucking sucks it it does sort of fall into the cardinal sin of being boring unfortunately yes yes it's very boring despite a very interesting premise like against against the grain they well not a very okay okay yeah premise but like yes it's not like it's a movie about a filing cabinet like vampires kisses (laughs) you know like this is a movie about someone who can see into the future and people who want to exploit that and him wanting to live a normal life there's there's a lot you could do with that Um, yeah and he's also a magician who <laughs> works on classic cars or some shit. I don't know why we love he that. in that weird garage. Sometimes um, he takes his shirt off around the old man. Yeah. Um, who doesn't show up later in the movie at all. And they managed to make it just so goddamn boring because the, the, there was 
nothing built off of literally that like two sentence description i just gave of the movie there's like yeah, nothing else yeah. to it i i did want to like let's get the <laughs> normally we do the opposite of this you want to get the positives out of the way and then we'll get into the rest of the movie that'll be easy for me i'm already done all right my turn <laughs> i don't have anything to like it is put, to put over about this movie i really don't it is a good premise like it's kind of cool i feel like you could do a lot with that if you approach someone and said hey make a screenplay out of this idea you could probably get something pretty interesting and i do appreciate you know the decision to do the ratatouille thing that we've discussed and like the yms uh discussion about is just like i have this power how does it work i don't know i just have it i was born with it and that's all you really need sometimes and in this movie i think that works what doesn't work is their exploration of that power because it contradicts itself so many times yes even through the end credits more on that later i promise it's so dumb oh my god and even with like despite their like commitment to not explaining it and keeping it open they still manage to contradict what little fucking information they give you about how it works yeah <laughs> like, it's insane yeah. <laughs> like i don't know how they did it like there's like there's like rule breaking or like deviations you could do from the premise like it follows does deviate from its own like very small set of rules every once in a while but i still enjoy the movie it's but it's something that does bring the movie down to me i I love it follows but it was close to just a a, like flawless victory you know like and they did little shit like that that they couldn't commit to but it's so it it's a lot easier to overlook than this because when it's this vague about what the thing is trying to explore off that yeah you're just like you you haven't when it's such a mysterious thing that is that can't be fully described exploration of that feels like you know just contradicting itself or it just feels like we didn't really establish anything in the first place so what are we really watching when, when you're having fun first of all you won't notice plot holes as much because you won't be looking for them you'll be immersed yeah and having, having fun isn't hard if you've got a library card but oh, yeah, yeah continue that's, that's true that's very true um <laughs> just a little inside joke um but uh uh also when you're having fun you you'll want to not care about the plot holes if you notice mm-hmm. them because you're having mm-hmm. a good time again like the example i always give is like maybe after you watch pirates of the caribbean a couple hours after the movie you're like wait a minute shouldn't it have taken them like weeks to months to get from port to port um (laughs) uh well i didn't really think about that while the movie was happening and i guess now that i think about it it's it's probably better that that plot hole was there because let's just get them where they're going i don't want to watch them fuck around on a boat and have half the crew die like let's just it's an adventure movie and i'm having a good time let's just skip some of the more realistically boring parts i I don't want to yeah but when you're not having fun like in this movie those thoughts are instant (laughs) sit there look at your hands uh and just be like god i'm trying to 
I'm trying to follow along with your bullshit, and you're not making it easy for me. You know, Every, like <laughs> just when I was starting to buy in, they kick me right back out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Man, um, I've got I've got so many like little notes about just details of when I was watching this movie, and just like, hey, this didn't make sense either. And some of them I remembered, some of them I didn't. The, it was the big moment in the trailer, right? Where he does the uh, the Matrix-style bullet dodge. Because everyone had to do that for ten years after the Matrix got made. He did his little... It had to he, be in every movie. He hid, He did his head wave, and the sniper missed him and shot the tree instead when he moved out of the way and dodged the bullet. But that bullet wasn't going to hit him. If you watch it again, the crosshair was aiming at the tree, and Nicolas Cage Christ. moved, but that bullet wasn't actually going to hit him anyways. He just dodged a bullet that wasn't going to hit him. That actually makes me like that scene more. It's, it's... <laughs> that he was just showing off. He was just flicking his body around, and the guy was missing anyways. It's hilarious. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <sighs> it all happened so fast. Ugh. Yeah, when we watched... The first ten minutes we watched, there's like a train right that goes by and vanessa pointed out like that's some of the worst cgi oh i've ever god, seen god the cgi is like power rangers 1995 had better cgi and i'm not joking it had more endearing cgi it looked th this looked like just as unfinished as ninja megazord like it just looked as like it looked like a work in progress that they eventually just said fuck it we're not going to work any harder on this it looks like yeah. fucking ass, like, like 90s SimCity shit. No, <laughs> no, I would never say that about 90s SimCity. That's that's the thing. That was actually kind of impressive and, and in some ways stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. This shit looks like a fucking PlayStation 2... No, PlayStation 1 demo that you would play at Walmart. Like a demo disc you would get handed at Blockbuster. We do looks love like demo fucking disc. garbage. Yeah, but, like, plastered over, like, a reasonably well-shot movie. Right? Yeah, and that's like, what makes it so egregiously bad. This this movie's just so awkward, man. Like, it seems shot competently, right? And then you've got this script that doesn't seem to find a tone very well, especially with Julianne Moore's character, where it's just like, oh, right, she has to be, like, a hard-ass here. Like, let's give her a reason to do that. And the scene had a completely different point at the beginning. There's there's a ton of different examples of that, man. But, like... Well, it, it just... The whole thing, first of all, comes across as lazy. Second of all, comes across as unfinished. Like, even that screenplay, it looks like a second draft where you integrated some feedback and you cut out some things that didn't really work. But you haven't, like, done three or four more drafts, and it just seems like there's a lot of a lot of dead space. You know, like, just a lot of, like, half-baked concepts that, uh, again, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you made some edits, but there's more you needed to add in. You hadn't fully found the rhythm of your script and made it breathe yet, and that's just... This, not only does the, the, the script feel that way, but Jesus Christ, the whole movie just feels half-assed and unpolished. Like, it, it's just a lazy yeah. fucking film. It It's weird. It feels half-done in so many senses, too. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's it's done the exact same amount. It doesn't feel like 
you know, the script was stellar, but we just didn't have time for the CGI. It doesn't feel like the acting or, you know, whatever else was there, but, you know, maybe the stunt work or, like, the editing wasn't necessarily up to par. It seems like everything was about 60%. Yeah. Like, every every little thing was around the same level of doneness here. Yeah. Well, and, like, to drive it all home, it's from that era where they were shooting on digital, but digital didn't look good yet. We weren't at 1080p. And so, like, it just, it looks shitty. Like, it's just a shitty medium. Like, the the image quality is yeah. unremarkable and flat and just, just an era of, of film that, for the most part, I don't really like. And this is some of the worst of it. Yeah, it, it's it feels like well we have this medium we can we don't have to go through all the struggles of shooting on film. Yeah. So we're going to have a much easier time with it. But they don't go through that extra effort of making the medium that they're using look elevated in any way. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think that's the issue. And it's oh, a bland man. a bland movie for something so high concept it's just all fucking uh all fucking cornflakes just flavorless yeah you've got a movie set in in las vegas and then flagstaff arizona and then los angeles like three beautiful scenic locations and it just feels like the same bland yellow tone yeah in all three settings but just with a little more trees in the middle like i'm hating it. it more the more we're talking about it it's the inverse of like a lot of the times we'll we'll hear each other's perspective and be like damn i actually that just you know raised my opinion of the movie this is just making me angry and making like it's it's such a shit movie it's such a fucking garbage fucking stupid piece of shit movie well when you're right you're right <laughs> I, I i did like I don't know what this guy's position was, but Julianne Moore's boss, right? Towards the beginning of the movie when they're in Vegas, they're trying to find Nick Cage's character. He's, like, sought after by both our French-speaking Russian <laughs> bad guys and also the FBI. And, like, the head of the FBI that's looking for him is like, I feel like we're wasting our time. We know there's a missing nuclear warhead and you guys want to waste your time on some carny magician. And Julianne Moore's like, I need him. And he says, okay. And then later in the movie, right, the, like, scanners are picking up more radioactive shit. Like, the nuclear threat is becoming more and more realized. And we're just like, okay, we're having a meeting here at the FBI. We're going to, instead of bringing in tier one subjects we're going to bring like tier two like persons of interest we're going to interview everybody we're going to close off a perimeter and julian moore steps in and says i need my little psychic magic man and the director's like here's a team <laughs> it's super weird man like we're not running into the obstacles that we're used to and oh my god just like the level of buy-in of certain characters is just like it feels so unearned and we'll get to the love interest now are you ready for that zero chemistry between and i could never ever see 
her being interested in him. <laughs> like just no offense. <laughs> like, no offense, Nick. Oh my god. Jessica Biel <sighs> acts like she's never seen a magic trick before. <laughs> <laughs> This this woman is just enamored by the silliest shit. Like she is just head over heels. Like I feel bad for Jessica Biel having to play a woman this dumb. Like she's just playing a stupid person. She did Who, not have a lot to work with as an actor no. for this movie. Not 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 a lot of substance to this character. Not at all. And but in her defense, she is manipulated by the future seer, right? He knows every... It's, it's a twofold problem, right? Where, on one hand, she is getting manipulated because he can look into the future and say, like, if I say this, it'll be the wrong move. If I do this, it'll be the wrong move. And then if I do this, it'll be just right. He can look into the future and see, like, what the exact right thing is to, like, woo her over. That's very weird manipulation. Yeah. But on the other hand... The stuff that is working, the winning formula is the lamest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. I. I. It was just such a lame ass. Like. She's You're having harder. trouble. You're having trouble remembering stuff, aren't you? No, I'm remembering it. It's. It's. I, I don't remember the final moments of the movie, and I'll, I'll get into that. Um. But. I'm just that like her character was so just nakedly all right we gotta make her a hard around the edges female but uh once Ooh. once once she gets her guard down it turns out is all she really wanted to do was fuck this boring ass male protagonist <laughs> um you just gotta get through the hard edges uh, all these signals that she doesn't want to date you once you just ignore all of them and disrespect her wishes, you'll show her what she really wants, and she'll just be grateful for the dick. Uh, you know, like, it's just, like, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. my God, it's bad writing. So it, it gives off a lot of, like, here's yeah, how you accost strangers in the gym to get them to talk to you. YouTube videos right it's like getting that kind of vibes off for you absolutely and just pick like, up artist bullshit yeah and you know not not trying to drop nukes but i think it's warranted it's very misogynistic writing like you know mm -hmm. like it's just very um she's just such a nothing character and it's very enabling to a bunch of like nice guys shit you know like she even has a mean a mean ex-boyfriend who's kind of a bad boy that she never should have been with that he Comically rescues her mean. from it's like the the fucking the virgin nick cage and the chad handsome diner guy i don't know i forgot um, his name too don't worry yeah um it doesn't matter it, it's it, it might have been chad i don't know <laughs> seriously it, it's so bad man it, it's such like like genuinely like kind of offensively bad with, with the writing of, of jessica biel's character specifically yeah because it, it, like they meet in the diner right and we're supposed to just be on board with like her infatuation with him way too fast at, at the point where like they go to a hotel in arizona like they're 
he's like, I need a, I need a ride to Los Angeles. And she's like, fine, I'll take you. And then they're like staying in a hotel together. And she's like coming out of the bathroom after showering, wearing just a towel. And she's like, what are you looking at? Like, and like she, anyone fucking what does that. What the fuck are you doing? Do you, do you know human behavior? Like, it's like, it's beyond like, have you talked to a woman? It's like, do you know, have you talked to anyone? <laughs> like, yeah. like, people don't act like that, man. What the fuck? Yeah, it's it's not just a woman. If this was a story about two men without like a love interest, like that would be psycho shit. Just yeah. like no, his the, person B's guard would be up significantly yeah. longer than this right here. Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> but his hair's slicked back constantly. He's got a cool brown jacket. Wait, so. you think that's slicked back? That is pushed back. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be a piece of shit greg but, but uh, she saw that people can change people can change <laughs> so i i have a question for you greg all right russian terrorists slop him up <laughs> what's your question denny you ever seen a movie suck so much that it retconned its entire third act before the credits rolled Jesus. <laughs> fucking, like, has any movie ever done that before? That it, like, literally called Takesy Baxies on the entire climax of the movie and returned to the end of Act 2 within the movie? Like, like in one pass at, at making the movie? Oh, you were God, like, that's... actually, that wasn't such a good idea. Let's just redo that whole thing and pretend it didn't fucking happen. Oh I've... my fucking god. <laughs> Denny's... Oh my fucking god, it was so fucking horrible. Alright, we need to get to Con Air here soon. Denny's losing it. Alright, uh, I took a note on that specifically because I said at the 45 minute mark, we have begun the fake movie. Because I knew it was coming. I did remember mm. that this shit happened and I was very frustrated the first time. You, uh, that's, you had a similar experience to me. <laughs> yeah. And then at an hour, 27 minutes. And so we get 42 minutes in the middle of our movie. Jesus, it was that long? It was a 42-minute movie of shit that doesn't happen. Jesus. And My then, God. So if you haven't seen Next, and I recommend you don't. <laughs> this is the first movie we've ever recommended not to watch on our podcast that's not true we've never said don't watch this just listen to us that i recall at least no frozen we said just watch the trailer and listen to us okay it's it's pretty rare blair witch 2 don't watch that one it's like the 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 lash whip warning the reverse one don't lash watch whip it warning. instead so the of lash the whip lash warning, warning. <laughs> so when juan jawson's music comes in but yeah, at the 45 minute mark basically for those of you that have not and will not see this movie we nicholas cage it turns out it's just a vision of the future like i said at the beginning right like the jessica beale's character when he's with her his powers are just exponentially better he can see further into the future alternate futures etc and the next 42 minutes of the movie we come to find out later are just a vision that he's having Jesus and Christ. the 
pinnacle of like all it's like all the action in the movie takes place in this like foresight of his and then he snaps back to where we were at the 45 minute mark and he's like i should tell the fbi where the nuke is now he does all of that just to learn like where the nuke is going to be placed and we were taken along all this ride told to care about all this and it was just like yeah i'm gonna go talk to the fbi and cooperate now and he does and he gets into the car with julian moore and they drive away and then the credits roll which it it turns out that all his hang up of i want to live a normal life it was like the fbi wasn't even threatening that he could have just like not done this whole fucking uh on the lam shit and just like gave them what they wanted which would have saved millions of lives and did um, and, and then, then like, he did that yeah and then he does it and they're like all right you're free to go <laughs> not only did he do it but we also learned that they wasted a lot of our time <laughs> well that's that's my thing it, it's it's the reason i i typically don't like gag reels um and uh and, and just so many other ways that movies will sometimes do this is um or, or like when marvel just over quips they they cut a dramatic moment with a quip um i hate when a movie is like hey by the way this thing that you uh paid to watch and are investing your time in it's all just a bunch of dumb bullshit try not to like get invested in it like try not to care about this movie i'm just like fuck off then like (laughs) eat shit fuckers like i'll just not watch this yeah like this is i i've never seen such a a fucking 42 minute like violation of 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 my willingness to try to care about your movie like i've never never seen it on this level before just basically them like looking at the audience and being like oh i'm sorry yeah did you care yeah fuck you for that anyone who thought this mattered in some way um we just want you to know it doesn't um like you could have led with that and i would have just turned it off for those of you that were wanting to be here you really shouldn't have yeah thanks fucking it's like it's like it's like the movie's mad at the audience yeah it's so fucking stupid and then all right so so like i said kind of towards the top of this discussion right like we're trying to explore the uses of this power of seeing two minutes into the future and it's just like during during our 42 minute hallucination period or whatever he's doing all this wild shit where he's like he's just walking like he's bulletproof because he can see the future yeah and then he's like splitting his own self off into projected futures of what could happen that kind of makes sense right it looked so bad by the way that, those looked it so shitty when they did that and he's like, if I go over here, there's a tripwire. If I go over here, there's a sniper. And he's like, we're seeing all that at the same time, which could be cool. That's good exploration. But then, like, terrorist man has girlfriend hostage. And he's like, this doesn't end good for you. And then he walks towards terrorist man. And he just unloads his pistol into him. And he's shooting all of the, like, alternate time variations of nick cage's character but there's no like time manipulation it's just foresight so how is that guy actually like emptying his gun he should be like shooting it once okay that didn't work approach him again 
dodge this way should like it's not getting dodged right like he's just sacrificing himself like 12 times it's just it's so oh this, this question you're asking requires so much more thought than i'm willing to put into no this that's movie. the problem is it doesn't require thought because the answer is they did it wrong <laughs> yeah they, they did it wrong no they just messed up and it was like ugly and bad looking too and if it's actually like him dodging the bullets i'm sorry but that was not clear and then we get to the end credits you ready for the end credits buddy I was ready for the end credits from about two minutes into this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they chose a dumb font. Illegible. The, uh, they made the fucking credits illegible. The the people that made it were embarrassed, I guess. They <laughs> didn't want their names on it. <laughs> <laughs> they do this thing where, like, the movie ends and they, like, show a flash of, like, the logos you would normally see at the end of credits. And then they play the credits from bottom to top as if they're backwards and then you get to the end because i fast forwarded to see if there's like another thing and like all the legal claims are like first sentence at the bottom then second second sentence up and then bottom sentence at the top so they like reverse their legal claims which leads me to believe that i could pirate this movie because the legal <laughs> claims <laughs> saying that i shouldn't do that are in reverse sentence order Greg, this movie wishes someone cared enough to pirate it. <laughs> like you yeah. would be, you would be doing the the movie a favor if you stole it. You would be <laughs> like taking a risk of having consequences for watching the movie, which would imply you wanted it bad enough to endure consequences. I'm sure H the the good people at HBO Max are already like, holy shit, we tripled and quadrupled all our uh, next streams just because of me and you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the tripling and quadrupling means going from one to three. <laughs> In infinity percent. Zero times three is still zero. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, this movie sucks, man. You wanted to do gimmicks? If we must, let's do them. We unfortunately we must uh what is your favorite moment of unbearable weight Dang. um the moment the moment that i thought nick cage was too good for this movie was in the opening shot when he turns and looks out the diner window um he had a look on his face of longing and um <laughs> it was the only time in the whole movie that i thought anyone actually tried um and uh i just i was like yep he's above this i knew it right away um he's, that's he's longing for a better script yeah he couldn't he couldn't his massive maybe talent maybe was, she's walking through the door right now oh my god yeah that's mine what's Dude, yours um very very similar scene man <laughs> he's having this foresight of a woman he goes into the cafe at 809 a.m. and p.m. every day he's waiting for the girl of his visions to walk through the door the time they finally meet it is 8:09 in the morning and he's sitting in the cafe at the bar looking at the clock looking at the window and you know it's a movie right our main character is sitting at the bar they never sit at the booth they sit at the bar and they're drinking a coffee and a waitress will say, can I top that off for you, hon? And they say, sure. And they pour them some more coffee. As they continue to wait for 
the next character to arrive. That's not what happens here. What does end up happening here is Nicolas Cage is sitting at the bar in the cafe, looks at the clock, looks at the window, and then picks up a full martini glass at 8.09 in the morning and sips his martini. Legend. He is not drinking coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning in this movie diner-ass diner. He is drinking a fucking martini with three olives on a toothpick. Holy shit. And, like, it doesn't look like they have a full bar. Like, part of me wants to believe he brought his own. (laughs) He brought it into the diner with him. He had to have brought his own glass. It, like, <laughs> There's no way it, they have fucking martini glasses in that it's, diner. It's something that, like, did you even notice that when you saw it? Oh, yes. Yes, like, I did. You, you kind of thought that was a little weird. It, the first extremely, time, yeah. I didn't really notice it, but this time I was like, they wouldn't have those glasses. They might not even have gin. Why do they have these olives? Why are they yeah. sipping these martinis? It's 8.09 in the morning. What yeah. the fuck is he doing? I know it's, it's Vegas, like, but like... A, a breakfast diner having, like, a full-on, like, nightclub-ass martini glass. Like, it's like, it's like a really big martini, too. Like, it's not like, yeah. it's not like a little dignified, like, it's like almost, it's half-ass novelty-sized. It is like, a, it is a bachelorette party-ass martini glass. Yeah, and yeah. it is full. And it just made me think, like, Vampire's Kiss is, we discussed, like, the over-the-top insanity of the character, right? This is such understated, subtle insanity. Yeah. And that sticks with me way more. Right? Because, like, I feel like this is why I chose it for this, for the moment, right? Is, like, he, it had to have been his decision, right? This is him making his mark on the movie. I got, that's a good point. That's, I think he would be drinking a martini here and the director bought it and he's like, I just wanted a martini. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't do this shit sober. Sorry, guys. Um, Like, there's no. Oh my god, dude. That that definitely seems like it. Just comes up into frame, and you're like, holy shit, what? (laughs) The fuck is that thing? Um, I I did want to give an honorable mention because you know who I think. You know what I think honestly deserved the unbearable weight award for this. Um, Hmm. It's Julianne Moore for not mailing it in. For such a shit movie, um, she seemed like she showed up with her working boots on for, for every scene. Um, really, see, she seemed like the most committed performer in the movie to me. God bless her, yeah. Yeah, like, and she's she's above it, too. Um, like, that's honestly her, the, the resilience of her talent showed that, like, even for, like, a nothing role in a nothing movie, she still seemed like she gave a fuck and tried you know like um without overdoing it so i'd like to give julianne more an honorable mention but you know what that martini glass is something to behold it really is it's 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 very special what's your favorite line denny (laughs) um it comes from uh just like when he's jaded and clearly bored with his own magic show and he just produces two doves out of nowhere and goes, here's to world peace. <laughs> like, so unenthusiastically. <laughs> so fucking great. I loved it. Oh, man. I'm surprised he didn't have a bunch of runner-ups. Um, 
I, I teased a runner-up earlier, which is what reminded me of this movie. Someone posted a video on Twitter from the middle of this movie, and it's uh, Jessica Biel hanging out with a bunch of Native American children, yeah. and <laughs> I recall this this clip is posted out of context, right? And it's the tweet is basically like you're never going to expect what like the final cutaway is from this, yeah, and she's talking to these kids and they're like is that guy you're with your boyfriend no why do you think that he looks at you the way my brother looks at his girlfriend and she looks his way and nicholas cage is just with his brown jacket and his fucking pushed back hair just i fucking the camera and it is so fucking funny. I forgot about it. I forgot. I, I remember it now that you're saying. It's just so like... fucking. All right, Nick. Hey, Nick. Just stand right there. And just look real sexy at the camera. God. And he tried his best. Uh, but my favorite oh. line has to go to the most boring chemistry building line I've ever heard. I like rain. I like rain too. <laughs> oh my god. That was a relationship strengthening exchange courtesy of this script. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. This fucking movie, man. Alright, are we done? Critiker scores, buddy? Critiker scores. No what? <sighs> All right, I'm, man. I'm docking at two points live. <laughs> um, for sucking. Um, no what? Due to it being bad, yeah, no that's what? valid. Three points. No I what? I love it. Five for that. Calm bull. down, calm down, calm no, down. Five because of how fucking bad, how long that fake out was. Um, I uh, okay, I buy that. Yeah. I, I gave it a uh, a twelve out of fifty. Twelve out of fifty. Okay. Very good. Uh, I gave this one a 10 out of 40. It's just inexcusably dumb, boring. I had a few good laughs out at the movie's expense, though. But just... Come on. <laughs> it's... I, I, I want to make it lower. Like, 12 seems too generous. This movie fucking blows. We'll reevaluate on a second viewing. No! <laughs> I will never watch this again as long as I live. I hate this movie. Says you. You're ready for Con Air. Mm -hmm. But are you ready for seamless edits? I was hoping for it. All right. Time to have some fucking fun with this podcast again. Um, Con Air was my pick because um, Vanessa hasn't seen it. Um, wow! And it's, and it's quintessential Nick Cage viewing. Um, and we have done a couple's costume from the movie, even though she hadn't seen it. So she finally got it. I'll post it on Instagram uh, for Halloween. Uh, well, before ha we did the couple's costume for Halloween. Um, there we go. Um, I'm going to do some Con Air summarization right here. Um, <laughs> Nicolas Cage plays um, a, a Ranger military veteran uh, Cameron Poe, who... Um, is convicted of manslaughter of uh, in self-defense when a bunch of guys try to hit on his woman 
um, at the bar, and a fucking court in Alabama um, convicts a, a, a military veteran uh, who 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 accidentally killed some degenerates in self-defense like we're we're off to just the one degenerate actually we have fully (laughs) departed reality with with that with that happening alone an alabama fucking court convince him convicts him for that um he spends he does his eight years in prison uh motivated by meeting his daughter and being a good father for his girl um just keeps his head down is a good boy does his time uh and works out a lot um and then when he's he's leaving um for some reason they put him and like literally a who's who like of every dangerous convict in the world some of them who are fucking brilliant um on one plane together and for some reason think it's gonna go well um, John Malkovich and Ving Rhames and Dave Chappelle completely hijack the flight. Um, then th- there's a bunch of hijinks and shenanigans of them overcoming obstacles to get uh, to a non-extradition country for their employer who's paying them to do something. Um, and, um, <laughs> then they have a landing and... Uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, Steve Buscemi gets on the plane, um, and just a, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of crazy fucking shit happens, and these just off the wall amazing action sequences, and John Cusack is in tow trying to catch up to it all. Um, Nick Cage is playing double agent where he's pretending he's overthrowing the plane, but really he's trying to uh, win one for the good guys and just get home to see his daughter. And then eventually, um, well, a whole bunch of bad shit happens, and then they crash land the plane in the middle of the goddamn Vegas Strip, which is just unbelievably glorious. And just when you think it's all better, um, uh, uh, fucking, for some reason, Cyrus the Virus is riding on top of a fire engine instead of the cab for, just to make himself more identifiable, and then we get like another like high budget chase scene uh, till they finally electrocute Cyrus. Um, and then Nick Cage is reunited with his three girls: um, his wife, his daughter, and Leanne Rhymes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How can I breathe without you? <laughs> um, and uh, and then. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, Steve Buscemi disappears in the crowd like Hannibal Lecter, and uh, I think we're supposed to kind of feel like that's redemptive, and it's 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 not. <laughs> it's really fucking dangerous and scary. Um, so, well done. That's Con Air, ladies and gentlemen. Con Air, the 1997 film. You can find it on. I think you can find it a bunch of places. I watched it on Amazon Prime for free. Didn't have to pay for rental. So yeah, it was on Prime that's where Video. I watched it too. Yeah. Oh, buddy. I I assume you'd seen this. If you said you'd seen this a few times before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I uh, the first time I watched it was uh, in a house I used to live in in Lindale, um, and one of my roommates really didn't want to watch it because he hated Nicolas Cage, and my other roommate who had seen it was like, "No, no, no." 
this is like actually one of his good ones um and uh i would say yes and it he is. was right <laughs> and uh my my the roommate who doesn't like nick cage was very pissed for days that we made him watch this um and then a couple years later uh colby and i were having a kind of bad week and uh do you remember like the big giant box that taco bueno had uh I, I guess so it was ten dollars for the box and it was printed on the box this is meant to be shared and it had like <laughs> six tacos six burritos two servings of rice and beans chips and salsa and like several other things and we were like all right we're gonna kill this box and watch con air and it's not because we're having such <laughs> such a great week <laughs> and i've probably watched it a couple more times in between but those are my two most memorable viewings what about you dude like i had a rating in on critiker here and i read i, I recognize like the first 30 minutes or so but I haven't seen this whole movie before. Shit. Like, I, I remembered, like, a lot of it. And then just at a certain point, I was like, I, I definitely have not seen all of this before. So yeah. I don't know why I put a rating in. But I, I was really excited to watch this for what turned out to be mostly the first time. Nice. Man, what a fucking cast. Like... What a fucking cast, man. I, I mentioned, like, five A-listers, and I still hadn't even gotten to Danny Trejo. Like, <laughs> it's so... Just oh, a, yeah. Just a crazy combination of people in one movie, and what a... This is... Like, if, if you're trying to, like, familiarize yourself with Nick Cage, this is, like, quintessential viewing. This is one of his, like, real banner moments you know like a real watermark for his career is, is nick cage and con air um and basically because the rock was successful the hollywood algorithm was like people want to see nick cage as an action hero and then con air was very successful so they were like <laughs> yeah we know like before uh, he oh before God, and that's that's why he made the transition from doing like challenges to the form of action and just kind of like rom-coms that's what he always did these like goofball roles up until the rock and then con air and then for like decades he was typecast as like an action hero even though that's really not his primary wheelhouse um i i love just trying to force him to be an action star here first of all like yeah an iconic nicholas cage performance but like he doesn't do a lot of the southern accent like Alabama drawl in any other movies. <laughs> but like oh. and then his action scenes, right? Like he's got his white tank top on after they landed the plane in um uh whatever that airstrip is. And they're doing like slow-mo shots of him like throwing around heavy tools and like that the like super thick metallic cables and stuff. And they're like showing him flexes muscles, and he's like the, he's the guy with like the thirteenth most muscle mass in the whole film, <laughs> and like dedicating all like the female gaze shots to him, and it doesn't make any sense. Hey, the dude, like 
he was fucking jacked for this. He movie, he worked but... out for it, but Ving Rhames is, yeah, is he had to, he had over to, there. He had to stand next to Ving Rhames, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus man, this, this fucking no movie. no fault of his own. He was yeah. just he was just showcased very incorrectly. Oh my god, man. I, I love this movie. I love it so much. I loved it more this viewing than I ever have. I'm crazy I, about Con Air. For my first half viewing and then my first full viewing here, I will say the exact same. This is my favorite time watching this movie. God, it's so... I was, I was having a good-ass time watching this whole thing. It's so much fun and, like... I think this is, like... I think there's a misunderstanding of a lot of 90s action... 90s action is practically meta you know like it was like the 80s just pushed it all to the limit and then the 90s are just like very intentionally winking at the audience and 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 just trotting out tropes and doing it bigger and crazier and wilder and there's like no intention of being realistic or plausible at all and i, I don't think yeah. a lot of people understand that that this is this is a very self-aware film. Like, it really yeah. is. This requires so little buy-in and, like, suspension of disbelief that you just, like, take that little half-step over that plateau and you're just having a fucking blast. Like, as yeah. soon as you just, like, let go of that, which isn't honestly hard to do, you're gonna have a good-ass time Yeah. <laughs> with, like, 90s action films in general and, like, especially this one. Yeah. Oh, dude, and then, like, you add in those, like, American hero guitar riffs behind Nick Cage kicking ass. Dude. It's so fucking good. I've got a uh, note here that says the soundtrack is sometimes very Captain Falcony. <laughs> I was getting hardcore Captain Falcon vibes from like, a few of the moments that why, you're talking about there why couldn't you show me your moves <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what where where to begin when there's just there's just so much to love in this movie man um uh, honestly the glue is John Malkovich. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. that's the performer that ties it all together. He he's not overpowering anything. He's like the understated glue holding this all together because yeah. he's he's really selling the, you know, the heel of it all. Yeah. You know, like I I buy him as that character and he's he's great. He's entertaining but like also, you know, that little touch of menace that's necessary oh yeah because well, you see that like he very seriously doesn't care about any of the people who are helping him and he'll leave them to die like he's like there's there's like the 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 intrigue of like how smart he is and how um calculated he is and how effective he is and yet you still hate him because he's like really not redeemable you know like he's a fucking piece of shit through and through he's just a very interesting piece of shit you know one with some corn in it one with some different color variations and uh mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of spinach that didn't get digested that's that's an you won't call your doctor shit. will but you will do a google search <laughs> and you'll probably tell your friends about it yeah he he's he's yeah man 
he's great. Like he's got that perfect, like just carefree kind of attitude, and just like this evil menace. But then like a real threat comes across. He's like, I don't care. He <laughs> just carries on with his evil plan. Yeah, the like I never Beautiful. think that far ahead line. That was so good. Like, um, if, if you kill me, you'll kill your only leverage, or you'll kill the only person who can fly this plane. I never think that far ahead. Oh yeah. shit, <laughs> he might for real kill me. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. um, God, it's so it's so good, man. I love this movie. Um, I could just gush. I just want to sit here and gush and say and say all these wonderful things about it and. Uh, man it's just it's just cage in top form just like one of his most memorable performances for better or for worse it's a very weird performance um (coughs) um the southern accent comes across as very put on and very fake um yeah the, the whole time it's kind of distracting um and i i think his character just he he does it with such flat affect the whole time and such like like when he's like trying to convince the other baddies that he doesn't care about the guards that he's trying to save mm-hmm. he seems so unconvincing when he's like you think i give a damn about these pigs and then just like kicks them in the back of the head it's like i can't believe that these characters would fall for this <laughs> you know? like, like it's so he he's putting it on a little bit, pretty plainly. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, you 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 guys know, like I I I just love doing crimes like you guys. <laughs> We're all clearly a bunch of criminals here. I once robbed a business <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> I think he's one of us. And I didn't feel bad at all. I liked it. I liked no it to be so bad. <laughs> No siree. Um, God. (laughs) But that's the exact level of buy-in we need to enjoy the movie. (laughs) Yeah. No way would they believe it, but I love that they do believe it. So I'm having fun watching. It's meant to be a very, very surface-level movie. You know, like, it's just fun and explosions and Gaga and Gonzo for the sheer sake of fun explosions gaga and gonzo like it's just it's there's there's not supposed to be anything deeper to it it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be a fun blockbuster to go turn your brain off for a while too and uh it accomplishes that in in just so many ways so many wonderful fantastic ways yeah man this is like if um if like michael bay achieved what he was going for yeah and also didn't feature like relationships with underage girls so like it's it's like the perfect action flick yeah in in a in a few senses no yeah because i i've watched the rock and this is not a popular take i I feel like this goes against my my brand that i project um i think the rock sucks not the wrestler not the actor the movie um i think it sucks um because michael bay made it and it's very clear that michael bay made it and the the explosions and the action they all take themselves completely seriously and this movie is not like 
making a mockery of what it's doing, but it's also like it's just not trying to overly dramatize stuff too much. And when it does, it's it's brief and it's also kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like <clears throat> but like it just it just knows what it is and like a Michael Bay film usually doesn't is the vibe I get. Con Air fully knows and embraces and celebrates the just uh, the 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 mindless nature of it all. <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. Um, I wanted to see what you thought about the uh, the running bit of the DEA guy's car. Oh, that was fun. I really liked it. it was I, I a lot enjoyed of fun. it. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> And it was just a classic, like, uh, the the bad guy falls in poop. Um, he's a really mean asshole, and he's literally the reason all of this is fucked up, because he's stubborn and on a power trip and doesn't listen to uh, John Cusack, who, when he's like, hey, why don't you think about the, the prisoners as people um, and try to treat them well? Um, and he's like... <sighs> What are you, some kind of fucking sociology major? These are animals for me to abuse, and I won't hear anything otherwise. Um, <laughs> and then his precious little car just constantly gets destroyed, and then it gives us the fucking visual of a motherfucking aircraft towing a fucking sports car through the air. And it just looks so goddamn silly, and I love it. Like, I just fucking love it. One hundred percent it's just like one of the little microcosms of fun that we're having throughout the movie yeah yeah (laughs) it's reminiscing on it all just makes me happy this is a this is a spinal tap one where i just want to sit around and just do do the chris farley bit of like hey do you remember that that was awesome you know (laughs) like that's that's how how i want to discuss this movie (laughs) yeah like this is one i'm I don't need to like really muster up the energy or like the uh, desire to watch it again. I'm 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 game to watch this pretty much at any point. Oh, absolutely! And now that it's readily available to stream anywhere, I'll I'll do it again very soon. It was it was a it was a blast, man. Yeah, I <laughs> I I had a question. So you remember the uh, the scene where like the jet is in that hangar on the side? Of that uh, little little airport the they're yeah. in, yeah. There was a pilot inside there, and like Nicolas Cage and John Cusack like fight a bunch of like the South American guys that are like part of like they're with a gang of the employer that like John Cusack is, yeah, John Cusack is kind of like working for to free everybody. There's a pilot in that plane the whole time, but like. Cage and Cusack are having like a gun pointing standoff and then they realize that they're like allies or whatever. Yeah. What was he still doing in the plane, man? I like never he's just... thought about it. Um There's just a pilot in there later, you're like, he just watched all of his friends get beat up and like the two guys responsible just have a little chit chat and he was just like Well, I, mean, I gotta fly the plane. If you saw that happening and you were in a safe space that could also be an escape for you, wouldn't you just kind of sit there and hope they didn't notice you? Just sit there quietly and wait for it to be over? Here I am thinking about a film 
that doesn't require much if any thought i think it requires a lack of thought um i think i think when you think about con air you are robbing it of what it's meant to be and that's just raw honest to god factory sealed made in america entertainment um Mm -hmm. that's all it's meant to be yeah the one time that i like activated my brain to like really think ahead was when they landed the plane in the vegas strip and like it crashes into every single thing and then the nose of the plane just breaches the door of a hotel and bumps into a fucking uh slot machine and i'm like that thing's gonna hit a jackpot or i give this thing a zero (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't you know it sevens across the board i'm back on board (laughs) oh man honestly as far as their effects went that vegas strip stuff was damn impressive i was kind of like how did y'all do some of this without literally destroying some of the vegas strip and filming it oh yeah (laughs) no it's good the the only like hang up i guess i have there is like the chase scene with the fire truck seems more like a stripper fantasy <laughs> than like an actual chase scene. Because you got like two muscled up guys with like fireman jackets and no shirt underneath, and they're like, ooh, they're after us. Spray them with the hose. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> they spray the other muscled up guys with the fire hose. And I'm just like, hmm. God, that, that chase scene was just such wonderfully egregious overkill, if you ask Two me. Two different kinds of tension. God. Oh my god, what what were they doing? And and like but that's the thing, it's like much like Vampire's Kiss, I'm like if you watch this movie as a goddamn film critic, save your energy, alright? Like that's that's not not everything is meant to be some amazing piece of high art you know like it's sometimes it's just fucking around to to do it you know like and and it can be really fun and i feel like a lot of movie going people do understand that you know they're just like this is something i can shut my brain off to it it demands you stop overthinking well yeah and i think it it succeeds for the majority of people there if there is anybody like being super critical like oh actually bad because this has zero depth to it or whatever like those are just people you don't need to listen to or give any credence to yeah not not everything is meant to be that i don't know if they exist this movie is 25 years old i don't know if anyone's still saying shit like that i mean but but to, to your point like i look at a movie like face off um and face off and oh i get it now i i actually do think that movie is like pretty dumb um the action is good because john woo did it but it's like a really dumb it's a dumb movie like it's it's a it's it's so funny too because like i think we watched it for one of our cage matches and like the boat chasing that's like the action climax of the movie we were both like i forgot this was in this movie yeah yeah because there's just so much to remember (laughs) But, like, do you know how often, to your point earlier, that uh, people will tell me that, like, Face Off is, like, a legit, really good action movie? 
and even I'm like, no, it's it's really not. It's one of the dumbest things I've watched in my life. But like, people are absolutely able to to embrace the absurd and to be like, an action movie is a different kind of movie. It's not supposed to work like a drama in the same way that like Nicolas Cage's performance in Vampire's Kiss is not supposed to be realistically compelling. You know, like that's pe- people understand it, man. They get it. It's, yeah, it's, I should hope so at least. Well, fi- film critics get lost in the sauce and take themselves so fucking seriously, and it's like, dude, I don't know what else to say than lighten the fuck up every once in a while, <laughs> you know? Like, just mm-hmm. embrace embrace that. Like, the reason you're a film critic is because at some point in your life you thought movies were fun, and you seem to have lost that. <laughs> you know, like and and they can be so much more than fun they can they can be so much more than that but it's not wrong if they're just successfully fun and they seem like a movie and like you especially see like you know like bollywood type movies that like just culturally it's not meant to be uh, at least not all of it is meant to be taken extremely seriously or be a realistic depiction sometimes it's supposed to be an escape right like it's it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be just something to forget about your troubles while you're entertained by it right i i do love your point of like true escape is in a movie about escaping from like a prison airplane Mm -hmm. it's not lost on me i really appreciate it And, and doing the right thing doing the right damn thing like the goddamn hero you are yeah is, is there much more to say how dare you talk to my wife uh what what do you think of bushimi's character that's a really weird arc if they didn't add him into the movie at all nothing would have been lost yeah, none whatsoever i love steve bushimi and i don't think he did anything bad or wrong here yeah it's just like shave 10 minutes off the movie don't fucking have him i say keep him because he was such a fun shit disturber um yeah i i do like like the bits of his characters being like very aware and just like having casual conversation after he's been built up to be like this bad 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 super bad murderer guy yeah he's he's just like "Eh, i'm just gonna chill with you guys if that's cool yeah everyone's kind of on edge around him and he's just like sunny disposition kind of yep so like i appreciated the energy maybe if you would i guess they had to land the plane in that middle part so who knows it was a way to like signify change i suppose right like or maybe a reason why they had to land the plane and why there was an unforeseen complication to john malkovich's plan because they kept it like top secret that he's being transported because he was so high risk they didn't want anybody knowing about it um god what just what a film man what a film what a film uh, right. you want to go to gimmicks i just i let's do all, it all we did was gush and i don't know what else there is to do uh second best cage hair of the episode i like i'm just blowing through my last notes i think your daughter would also appreciate a couple of fistfuls of cash if you just want to reach down real quick nick um <laughs> yeah i think i think that's it for me i forgot but, about the movie literally ends like in all the absurdity it ends with money just raining down from the sky. <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's a closing moment. <laughs> I'm just like, God, that's appropriate. 
That's just so appropriate. Nick, you could just grab some. No one's going to be mad. We know you're a good guy. I mean, this movie literally printed money. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Denny, what's your favorite moment of unbearable weight for Con Air? Um, I've got to give it um, that moment where his hair is just blowing in the wind and he's throwing his head back. And he then does the slightest little wink directly into the camera. And it's, 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 the wink is at other characters, but he's not winking at them. He's winking at the camera. And it's just this winking like, winking at me. It's, yeah. Wink, winking at little at us. old mess. Um, it's just this moment of like, dude, you goddamn fucking legend. <laughs> you know, like, you'll just, just look at you. <laughs> that's, that's all I could think when I look at that. Incredible. What about you? What's your your moment of unbearable weight? I can't decide if it's going to be the restrained, like, opening the fist on the cross-dressing convict, or that fucking jog that he does through like the airport airport's <laughs> boneyard of like broken down plants and also that very, fucking run he does god damn he does it very suspiciously in broad daylight without explaining himself to the people he's trying to fool just, i'm just running over i'm just running over here <laughs> what no one questions him no one questions he's, it he's so conspicuous it's fucking great yeah um what's your what's your favorite line uh i have a couple runner runners up here um i don't remember who says bring me those propane tanks but i wanted to say huh how about those propane accessories (laughs) uh special love to put the bunny back in the box there's uh the the alabama judge that gives a service veteran prison time for manslaughter says you will serve a term no less than seven to ten years (laughs) it's so weird that he gives a minimum but also a range (laughs) is it no less than seven years or is it no less than ten years well he served eight so well, well, I guess technically it's true then. Uh, At least seven, maybe ten. I'm not really sure. I'm, all right, over under on on how much time this guy serves. Who wants to take under seven, over ten? <laughs> Don't ask me. All I have forgotten by then. Uh, Cyrus is uh, gonna blow somebody up, and they're a Spanish character, so they say, please, they're trying to say Cyrus, and say, please, sigh, and then Cyrus interrupts them and says, oh, Nera, so it sounds like oh, sayonara. Oh yes, that was great. It's just like, god, damn it. But, it has to be Nicolas Cage telling, uh, I believe it's Bing Rames who's locked up in a cage. I was just admiring your cage spoken by Nicolas Cage beautiful beautiful I didn't even I didn't even connect that dot I was so immersed Um, (laughs) um, obviously I mean 
the line from this movie is put the bunny back in the box um i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna yep. i'm gonna go with another one because <laughs> it actually popped me even harder um on this watch through um which for what it's worth I, I, this movie would have gotten a couple extra points for me if they if they delivered better one-liners from nick cage i thought of all of all the absurdity you could have done in this they just had him saying like i'm just thinking about how we got on this plane of all planes when you know like you just they could have taken it to the next level but one that really crushed it when it was asked what are you gonna do what do you think i'm gonna do i'm gonna save the fucking day (laughs) (laughs) popped me so hard i was like that man is a hero that right there is the greatest man to ever live like (laughs) just I remember it, and I was so happy when he said it. God, what do you? Because again, I've got to save the fucking day. (laughs) You're never really a hundred percent sold on why he wants to be the hero so bad, but you're just you're just along for the ride. Well, someone has to be. I mean, why not? I'm glad it's him. (laughs) He has a daughter. He has a daughter, Greg. It makes you. But he needs to get home to her. He needs to get home to her safely. But he can't leave a man behind because rangers were trained not to. Well, how about no child left behind? Any ever oh, heard about that? This was, uh, this was pre-Bush administration, so actually, no. No one had heard of that. Uh, oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Fuck them kids. Michael Jordan was around, buddy. All right. Uh, <laughs> what, what's your score on this one, my guy? Um, I, uh, I actually bumped it up one point just because I liked it even more this time. I gave it a 38 out of 50. Um, nice. I, man, a big part of me just wants to give it above 40 just for knowing what it is so well. But uh, there's, it just doesn't, it, it's, when I look at the company it would be in, um, it doesn't quite belong there. But man, yeah, it really 38. is. It really is something special, man. Thirty-eight out of fifty. Thirty-eight's good. And again, um, if they if they delivered better one-liners, I'd bump it up to a forty-two. I, for one, don't care about what it's like sitting with. So, for whatever reason, I gave this one a rating ten years ago, and like I said, I had only maybe watched the first thirty minutes, and I gave it a twelve for whatever reason. A little stiff. I've seen the light. I'm giving it a 30. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! It's way better than Will Reno's 4. Because, you know, I just had so much fucking fun. Dude, if if you're gonna consider genre at all, and knowing that this is an action movie, you have to give it a high rating. I get it if you were just like... Um, character-focused dramas are the highest form of art, and that's what I rank everything on. Okay, you can rate this low. But if you were gonna just, like, account for the authorial intent, right, at all, you've gotta give this a high rating. Yeah, absolutely. Like, (laughs) film lovers rejoice, man. Yeah, man. Um, Greg, what is the best movie for when you're having a cage match? Well, you got you got to decide if that's the movie itself or the cage performance. You know, movies like Con Air 
you get a good you get maybe not the best cage performance here but you get a great supporting cast even though Chappelle is you know his performance really starts to bomb at a certain point come on (laughs) I don't think I had picked a winner so who wins this cage match this isn't like the best for win x this is just who wins out of these three and the criteria is so vague (laughs) it's not gonna be next i think i'm but vampire's kiss is just so special right right like con air is a better movie because the entire thing is better vampire's kiss is such a special nicholas cage enigma I guess. Yeah. So who do I put over? What do you have an answer? My my answer is for the reasons you just described. It's not for what's the best movie. It's like if I was going to suggest a movie for a cage match and knowing that this man has made over a hundred movies and I've got to pick two to watch with Nick Cage enthusiast. Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, I think Vampire's Kiss is is such a high priority. You know, like that. That's yeah. why I'm going with Vampire's Kiss. If there is a bracket, right, of best cage movies and various cage matches, I feel like Vampire's Kiss makes it very far along. Oh, yeah. I'll agree with you and say Vampire's Kiss because once again the audience has chosen correctly. Crushing it, man! We've been on a hot streak with going with audience picks lately. When the audience listens to us, they don't fucking miss. <laughs> Maybe they should keep doing that and come to our live show. Hey, speaking of which, next week, Thursday, April 21st, Movies yeah. for Win, live at the Alamo Drafthouse Denton for the opening night of the unbearable weight of massive talent. I, I can't... I, it doesn't feel real to me yet, Greg. It doesn't feel real yeah. to me that we're doing this. It hasn't sunk in completely, and going there the other night did kind of help mm-hmm. solidify that. But it's it's still just like such an unreal thing yeah. that we've been doing this podcast for like ten months. Like we're coming up on a year, and it's even since the beginning. Like doing something at Alamo is something we just joked about. It was unattainable, right? And, yeah. and here we are, like even like. It's just like a one movie little fun thing. We're just going to kick it in the bar, which we could have done this at in your backyard, honestly. Just set up a speaker, watched a movie in your living room, and then did like a outdoor recording or like your from your dining room table. But yep. Alamo like providing us the space, the tech, like a bigger platform. Like it just, it just feels 10 times more special than anything you and I could have just done ourselves so i'm extremely excited Me too. i mean it, it's it's a, it's a very validating and uh you know just i don't know like moving even feather in our cap to me because I'm, I'm really proud of what we do on this podcast and i'm really like blown away that anyone on earth gives a shit about it um and that our idea when we started it was that was our like lofty unattainable goal and less than a year into it we're achieving mm-hmm. it that's something that i'm really proud of man i really am and i'm really excited to do it and i'm excited to uh i i I think we're gonna deliver a really memorable and enjoyable show and i just i i love 
I love sharing things I love with people I love, and I got a feeling there's going to be some people we love there, man. And I'm just so excited to do this. Hmm. Again, just absolutely can't overstate it. So yeah, if you can tell, that's the next episode. <laughs> that's what you have to look forward to. Uh. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if it comes out a little later than usual. Because uh, we are going to do the live show on a Thursday night, and it would be quite a lot for Greg to get it all home and edit it and have it out. Uh, at four Some th- of us work the next day, too. All right, come so. on, Charlie Kaufman. Mm. <laughs> Both of us work the next day, so um it might be a little bit delayed but uh i don't know i don't think anyone will really be that upset so there you go if you want it you you can get it early if you come to the live show if you're like Mm -hmm. i just can't wait until saturday for my movies for when guess what i'll give it to you a day early come there live sorry you don't fresh from the source (laughs) sorry you don't live in texas my bad yeah uh please rate us on spotify five they have stars. star ratings just give us a rating an honest rating five that five is the most honest go ahead and round it up to five if you want to. there we go yeah i'll i'll pander i would say the, the the most honest rating is the one that helps us in the algorithm the most and that's five stars that's the most honest rating there is that's right but denny what would you say the most honest catchphrase is well I think I'd I think I'd have to say for Greg work the filing leg work Johnson I'm Denny the bunny in the box Taylor and this has been movies for when we already told you when but you know what we didn't tell you What's my cage again? I'm a policeman. See my badge?
Stay.